This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. This podcast is dedicated to what many professionals believe to be the most important time at camp, no matter what you call it, staff training, orientation, or leadership training. This critical time period prepares your staff to fulfill all the promises that you make to parents and to customers the rest of the year. And before we get started, we're going to introduce ourselves. So Gab, why don't we start with you? Well, my name is Gabrielle, and I work at Camp Foro, and Camp Foro is an all-girls camp situated in the Laurentian Mountains, and we work towards uh, providing a positive environment for girls, uh, as well as we do that in French and English. <laughs> Doubly difficult. And <laughs> Ruby. My name is Ruby Compton, and I am the CEO, which is Chief Exploration Officer for a company called Ruby Outdoors, and I specialize on helping professionals spend more quality time outside. And so if you have been listening to us for a while, you know that's a big job change for Ruby. Mm -hmm. So we are very excited for her that she's uh, starting out on this new path and realizing a dream she's had and been talking to us for a long time about. So we're oh, really yeah. happening. It's happening. So <laughs> we're great. very excited. Uh, and I'm Beth Allison. I'm co-owner of Camp Hacker and one of the founders of Go Camp Pro. And I was an executive director of five children's summer camps for 15 years in Ontario. And now I'm a consultant. And uh, my big passion, of course, is intentional leadership training and building solid and supportive community. So today, what we're going to talk about is designing training for volunteers. And just so we're clear, we're talking today about those people who come and go throughout the summer or the season, who maybe pop in for a bit or who help out, but these are not your full-time seasonal staff because we know that for some of our listeners, some of your camps, all of your staff are volunteers. That's not what we're talking about today. Uh, those staff members for us should be trained no differently than your paid staff would be. Uh, but these are for those people who kind of pop in, do some great jobs for us, um, and head back out. So Ruby, why did we decide to talk about this topic? Well, it's important. There's a lot of volunteers <laughs> that fuel the camping industry and whether that's mm. nurses or um, parent volunteers or even just folks that are friends of the organization. Uh, we know that there are lots of friends to camp and we wanna keep them engaged because they have great talents to offer. Excellent. So Gab, why don't you start us off? What are some things that very specific considerations and maybe best practices that are out there to help train our volunteer people? Well, for, for me, I, first thing I'd like to say is that it's in your interest to create a framework, an easy almost drop in, um, drop out framework because volunteers are also a marketing tool for your camp. Um, if you provide a space for people that want to contribute, they're much, much more likely to talk about your organization in a positive way and they're providing uh, updates to their circle of, of friends being saying things like did you know that now they have pottery with it you know at your camp or their their meals have changed so much they're a lot better um, it's it's a way of, of getting the message out there so one one thing is is that is a, is to um, create 
uh, a structure for different types of volunteers. And so you have the ones that just want to revisit camp. And so it's to highlight, okay, if we have ones that want to, you know, relive their, their glory days, but they want to help out, is there a day, is there something that they can do in one day that's not going to affect um, your job and it's not going to take away from your time with your staff and your campers that, that they'll be able to do because they're a past uh, staff member and, um, and it's not going to also stop other staff members from doing their work, especially if they're with you just two years ago. Sometimes they want to socialize and that's not necessarily what volunteers <laughs> are. So creating that structure and then looking at where do you actually need people at camp that would be useful, that maybe uh, somebody that has a little bit more life experience would be of use. So for example, driving, uh, doing trips into town, um, perhaps running, uh, you know, picking up kids at the airports and what's their skill set? What do they need to be uh, trained in? What does their driver's license look like? Uh, do they have first aid? And just creating like a job description, the things that you need um, to do this job so that they're legally protected and you're legally protected. Mm -hmm. Of course, mm -hmm. your campers and staff are safe. So just setting up that, that structure, what do we need and how can we make them successful? and also being clear with, with the expectations of their qualifications or time that they'll be needed um, before they do that job. Great, thanks. Ruby, what have you got to start us off with? Sure, uh, I wanna echo what Gab said about honoring the time because I think sometimes we say, oh great, we have volunteers, let's use them, and we forget that there is training that's involved, um, supervision, they're gonna have questions. Uh, so when possible, Yes, absolutely have volunteers and delegate that responsibility of supervising them to somebody else if you can. It's a great management experience for folks. Um, so <laughs> consider that. Um, I think with volunteers, and it of course depends on the position and, and what they're coming to do, but if you have somebody who's going to come especially work and be a part of the program at camp or be really in that camp community, like maybe that nurse or a program leader, um, I think giving them a really clear checklist ahead of time of these are the things that need to be done prior to coming to camp. Um, and and make it just really obvious and clear. And I think you can also have fun with that as well, where you can say, um, you know, maybe a couple of those are just fun things, like make sure you tell us your favorite flavor of ice cream because we're gonna have ice cream on the second night of camp so that they pay attention to it. Um, but give them something they can check off. Depending on, again, the volunteer, the position, that sort of stuff, they may actually have more time and flexibility um, and commitment to do those things ahead of time compared to your paid employees who are like, no, this is work, you should be paying me. Um, so don't abuse that, but also just make it really clear and easy for them. Um, I think remembering that video can be a really useful resource for training, whether that's using, using videos that are online and saying, hey, you need to watch these seven videos before you come to camp and answer these couple of questions. Or if you're creating a video just to have that uh, kind of personal touch or the person who they will be reporting to or, or supervised by, um, get them to send those volunteers a video saying, hey, we can't wait for you to be at camp. When you get here, make sure you go to this place and this place. You're gonna be looking for me. Can't wait to see you. Reminder, the time is this time to arrive and also make sure you've eaten. We won't have dinner until six or whatever it is. Um, but giving them that personal touch and that face can be really helpful because a lot of times your volunteers are kind of coming into stuff midstream. And so making sure they know who to go to, who to look for, where to report. The times that I've done volunteer work, that's really, really helpful and comforting to getting the day off to a good start. Um, and be ready for that arrival and have that staff t-shirt ready to go or uh, the equipment that they're gonna need, that first aid kit, so it doesn't feel like an afterthought. Oh, hey, thanks for being here. 
it's going to take us two days to get you everything that you need. And you're only going to be here three days after that. Right. So again, if that's something you can delegate and give somebody else that responsibility of getting those items together, I really recommend that. Nice. Um, for me, I'm going to admit right off the bat that I was not great at training volunteers. I found it really difficult to find time in my summer schedule to train people who were not with us during our formal leadership training. So for me, volunteers were often alumni who did know the ropes, but even so, I don't feel looking back on it that I did enough to connect with them ahead of time or to go over new policies, new procedures, changes to programs since they were there before they began volunteering. And I knew even then that it was something I should have been putting more time into, but I just couldn't find it. So thinking about this episode, I would certainly do things differently than I did when I was directing. So I think if it's at all possible, I would have volunteers, depending on what they're doing for you, because sometimes volunteers would counsel for me for a week, you know, and again, these were alumni or something, but I would have them attend as much of leadership training as you possibly could. Like maybe they could come up for the Saturday, Sunday part of it or something like that, just so that they could get a feel for the staff and for the community that you're trying to build or a deeper understanding of your mission or how you handle conflict and important issues with campers. And if it's not possible, and I grant that it very often is just not, uh, because many of our volunteers often have full-time jobs and they're just wanting to spend a week or a few days off up at camp. I, I too think it would be worth spending time to create some sort of formal training with them. And I don't think it's complicated, but I think you just need to spend the time maybe once kind of getting it right. And so I think I now I would create a volunteer package. And for me, that would include all these information, all the information that Ruby and Gabs have been talking about for them to go over prior to coming to camp. But I wonder too, if we could create little short videos that could go over the most important parts of camp. So you could have your mission, your values, your biggest policies and procedures that may need more emphasis than just hoping they have read what you sent them. Um, where somebody is speaking to them, whether it's you or you give this job off to a leadership team member, um, I think it would hold a lot more weight if somebody said, hey, here's our policy on consent or here's our policy on sexual harassment or those kinds of things so that they knew what, what was um, your mission, your values, all the kind of stuff so that, again, you're setting them up for success and not setting them up to have issues happen at camp that they weren't really clear on before. Um, so things like, are they allowed to be alone with campers? without a staff member present. What's your policy on that? Um, what are they allowed to do with and for campers and what are they not? Um, because maybe they haven't had this formal training with you. So what are your expectations of them in regard to their relationships with staff and so on? So um, the other thing that I would do, and I did do this, um, was I would have, I didn't do this part, sorry, I would have them fill out an application so I realize that they're doing a, a great favor to you by volunteering, um, but I think it's important for them to understand the importance of their role while they're on site and all the rules that would apply to them. So I'd make it a lot shorter, a lot less involved than your staff application, but I'd have them fill that out. And then for me, I think they need to sign a contract. Now, this is what I actually did do. So I did do this part, um, but I think it should look almost exactly like a staff contract minus the paying part um, and things that they just need to understand. So our volunteers had to have police checks, health forms, um, references if we didn't know who they were, all that kind of stuff, um, just to cover yourselves and to help them understand the importance of what they're doing. 
Um, and as Ruby said, like a, a checklist for them. But for me, it would involve things what not to bring to camp. So um, adult volunteers, especially, were often surprised to find out they couldn't have a beer after work in their cabin <laughs> on our site um, or just use their cell phones whenever they wanted to So um, and wherever they wanted to. So that kind of stuff. And of course, if you have volunteers who are helping you belay or lifeguard or things that require call, calls like that, um, for me, you have to have them either attend those kinds of trainings that you do or um, come up with copies of their own calls that go on your file. Um, just something in case anything were to go wrong, you don't want to be in trouble that way. Um, and a job description totally for volunteers, as Gab said, I think is a brilliant um, thing to do. The other thing that I, I think would help with organizing stuff would be, um, here's what your day should look like with maybe blanks in the description that could be filled in each day with whoever's overseeing that person. So it would ensure that you knew what volunteers were up to and that their time was being used really wisely, but also that they understood that you realized their time is really valuable. Um, I often ran into the problem myself of volunteers doing the jobs on their list and then not knowing what to do next. So they would get bored <laughs> and that's always a problem. So um, the other thing I would think of if you were trying to get them with some of those things like sexual harassment policies or consent or, you know, just those kinds of things is maybe you could videotape parts of key sessions during leadership training and post them online for volunteers to watch in their own time so that um, they could get an idea of that sort of thing. And maybe there's a way that you could set up to see who's watched it. So, you know, what stuff has been covered with those people. So I'd kind of start there. Can I just add something to what you shared, Beth? Um, Please. The, on that application, ask them why they want to come work at camp. Mm. Um, and gathering that information is going to help you in how you honor their time and their commitment. Um, because that's, in a lot of ways, is, is what your volunteers are offering. It's just an abundance of time, um, which is awesome. And you may be surprised at whatever is the reason that they're there and what they get out of it. And that may help you in seeing like, hey, I just need to give my volunteers an hour every day so they can sit by the lake and enjoy. Or we are nurses at Green River had the best porch in camp with the mm. best rocking chairs. So when it was quiet, like they just got to sit in the forest and rock in a rocking chair. So nice. finding out what those things are, I would add that to your application. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Did you have something you wanted to add to before I, we move on? I did. Um, I think, I think it's also, you don't, first you don't need to accept everybody. Actually, it's best if you don't. And you, you do need to know what their motives are. Why are they coming to camp? Mm -hmm. And, um, and sometimes it, it, it's not what you need. And so that's, that's really important. So when you have an um, interview process, that's, that's also saying we don't just accept everybody. Um, and, and it, because people can be either helpful or a pain in the butt and you mm -hmm. certainly don't want to deal with volunteers, they should be helpful. That should be the number one thing. Um, and then two, uh, with your video idea, uh, Beth, I, I, and, and also Ruby, you mentioned videos. I think during camp, that's a good time when with returning staff members, when we want to challenge them a little bit more and we want them to apply content that they already understand, mm -hmm. but learn a little bit more on we still want their growth to, to continue. You can give them a project about, um, about uh, consent. You can give them projects mm -hmm. about, um, you know, what are the rules on camp that, that all staff members should know and they can make a video and, and it's something that will be put in use and it's not just one of those projects that 
you know, we may or may not use. It's something that is very valuable and important. So if you're, if you're like, I have so much to do and I don't know how to, to do it, get all of this done, maybe enlist some of your staff members that are actually quite good at, at some of these sessions already and get them to do um, those videos. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And I also can't stress enough how important it is to have somebody at camp who is the go-to person for volunteers. Um, and this wasn't me. I just didn't have the time. Uh, Travis did it as best as he could, but I, I got better at assigning somebody each summer who was overseeing volunteers, but I really think it needs to be a formal process and we just didn't create that and we should have. And I think in today's day and age, I would use social media to my advantage. So mm -hmm. I would schedule a Zoom chat with all the volunteers for an hour or so before camp starts. Mm -hmm. So this way you can go over things and answer questions. Um, and this is something you could certainly pass off to a member of the leadership team. Um, Front-loading expectations with all the volunteers is a priority so that there are no surprises and so that they understand what's expected of them and how they can be of service. I mean, that's why they're volunteering ideally is they want to be of service. So they just need to know who they go to for support and help and what expectations are in terms of other staff members and, you know, all those important policies so that they won't be a distraction to the staff who are actually working. Um, and I think if that, if you've only got a handful of volunteers, maybe a leadership team member could do one-on-one -on -one calls um, if that person has time because, and these are really short in my mind, but it would allow time for them to answer questions like, what do you want to do at camp? What secret skills have you got that we could put to use? So for example, we had a volunteer one summer who um, used to work for CSIS, which is kind of the equivalent of the CIA. In Canada and who taught our teen cabin groups how to undergo surveillance and to essentially sneak up on people undetected so he ran sessions for cabin groups like that for an entire week and the teens thought it was amazing and then he would try to sneak up on them and you know arrive wherever they were without them ever knowing he was there and he did it all the time they never did catch him but it, they had such a great time with that and we would never have known if we hadn't asked the question what kind of secret skills do you have that you could share and this is actually a true secret skill but um, they're all kind of other fun things that you could get out of that um, and I think that other that person who's their go-to would also be there to give them more things to do if they ran out of jobs um, because this became an issue for me with volunteers um, and they that person could then like check in make sure they're doing well having a great time staying safe um, because only adding positive things to camp would be paramount importance to me um, and again I always tried to do my best but I just didn't have time and sometimes they were things that I didn't remember to do to check in when I had so many other millions of things on my plate. So formalizing that process and delegating that task out and front loading the expectations with that leadership team member, I think would go a really long way to make everybody's volunteer experience better. Um, Ruby, do you have anything else to add? Uh, I have a couple of quick things. Yeah, um, please. One is, uh, especially consider this with nurses, um, if you are trying to get parents to come or, uh, and maybe like trade or, or whatever, make sure you have an understanding of like, what is the going rate for a nurse these days mm -hmm. so that you understand, you know, when you're making the ask of, Hey, come take two weeks off of work and work for me. Like, what are you actually asking them to give up financially? Um, and I know in the States, we have the association of camp nurses, um, and they often have that material available or, 
you know, we'll have presentations at conferences and, and that's just, I think, an important question to be asking. Obviously, it's going to vary by where you are, um, but it, it was really eye-opening to me when it was like, oh, okay, so we're asking people to trade this much and like, they're making that much in a day. All right, good to know. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and so think about that as far as other professions as well. And, and that may be helpful as you're having some of those conversations about people coming and being there. Um, also, my, just my other pro tip, get your volunteers to write blog posts. If they like writing, don't make them do it if they don't, but have them help you create content for mm -hmm. social media. Um, so my mom came and worked as a camp mom one year at Green River because we we needed one and I was like, hey mom, what do you, what do you think about this? And it was kind of cool because she got to see me in action and, and you know doing my thing. Um, and that one of the requirements we had for our camp moms is that they took a moment to reflect on their experience at camp and give a parent's perspective or a grandparent's perspective as it sort of was for my mom, um, for the kids that were there. But um, it, I think that they will see some things that are interesting. They may be really excited that you asked, um, or is it, you know, a volunteer that you can have them do your Instagram takeover for the day, or, um, you know, are they taking photos for Facebook or whatever it is. Um, but I really think getting them to give you some writing and some content is a smart idea. You'll probably want to give them some questions. Um, things like, you know, what's unique about being here at camp? Again, why do you return to camp? Um, share a story that uh, you, you thought was really interesting or memorable from your time here. Um, but I, I think it's just going to be a perspective you're not going to necessarily always get to capture otherwise. Mm, that's brilliant. Gab, you have anything else to add? Yeah, um, I, I think the other thing to just build on what Ruby said is that people usually, if they are alumni, they're coming they're coming back because they enjoyed being part of something. Mm -hmm. And they haven't necessarily, because they're volunteers, they might come in the middle of the summer and they're only staying for three or four days. Um, that sort of kinship isn't as strong. So giving them that purpose of being part of something, writing a post uh, or taking over Instagram or Facebook, I think is really, really cool because it, it is leaving their mark. And it's a, it's a way of other staff members seeing them in a positive light. Um, I, would, I would also bring in uh, uh, with, with your volunteers, letting them know what the, what's, what the process is uh, and what your vision is for camp at this moment. And I've had returning staff members where they would say, you know, oh, did you know the staff, you know, they're doing this. And it wasn't in a, in a positive light. It was in a negative light. And I would say, well, actually, I do know that. And there is a learning curve. And there's, and they sort of forget that they were part of that learning curve mm. at one point. I sometimes bring up, I remember when you, X, <laughs> Y, and Z. <laughs> um, but they're very they can be very protective of their, of their camp. And so it's, it is who can they go to if they see things that they don't agree about, agree with. But it's also saying, this is my role, this, I'm in charge of these people, I will take care of these, these issues. Um, I'm really happy that you came and talked to me about them. But sometimes uh, at, when adults come in um, and they see certain things, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, it's, you know, a kid that forgets a hat or something like this, um, not, not horrible, horrible stuff, but just, just that like, I'm, I'm in charge, I've got this, and, and I'm just happy that you're helping out in this way. And sort of allowing them to not feel responsible for everything. Um, as we know, camp is sort of elastic in its learning and, um, and, and they have to be uh, maybe a little bit aware that there's that learning that happens with their staff. Um, uh, but yeah, just sort of letting that awareness and, it's, and it is what Beth says often is that front loading. So this is what I expect from you, this is your responsibility. 
and uh, I want you to always come talk to me if you're uncomfortable about something, but um, I got this too. Nice. I like that. Um, and I think for me, my last piece would be um, to caution people, for me, not to hire volunteers who are at least, who are not at least the age of your youngest staff members. So I would often get requests from parents to take another one of their teens on as a volunteer because the older sibling was on staff or because that teen really loved camp and the week or two they were there just wasn't enough or they just needed to be at camp. It was a better environment for them and so on. And having someone who's younger than your staff member can create all kinds of logistical issues that you then need to think about. Like if you're a residential camp, especially having somebody who's supervising that person in the evenings when they don't actually have campers sleeping in their cabins or during their time off between sessions or whatever. So they may be, they are technically then the age of campers. And so for insurance purposes, they really need to be treated as such should anything go wrong. And I learned that the hard way once um, that you need to have, for me anyway, I had to have a minimum age for volunteers. So I would caution you to really think about that potential issue and how it could work for your camp and should work. Volunteers can be such an essential part of camp and they can make programs possible that just wouldn't be possible without them. And they're the kind of people who want to give and help out and they need to be thanked and appreciated for that. But they also have to be um, incredibly supported just like paid staff. So I would be far more intentional with volunteers now than I was before so that I could set them up for success. So those were some of the lessons that I learned the hard way. Um, anybody have anything else before Gab gives us our recap? I, I just like to say I, I like having a framework of almost hours. So if somebody's mm -hmm. here for eight hours or less, this is the type of training and package they get. If they're there oh, for great. 16 hours or less, I know they're sleeping over, but they're not there for two, two full days. So they get this type of package and anything that's 72 hours or more, they get a sort of an official training and X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So it's, it frames it in my head of what does this person need? What kind of conversation do I need to have with them? And it also makes me take it seriously that if somebody's going to sleep over, we have this checklist of things that they need to understand and that I need to make sure I've provided them with that support. Um, so, you know, just from everything from they know where they're going to be sleeping, um, you know, at least 48 hours in advance um, before they arrive on camp. So it's just kind of, I just have it in this sort of three categories, you know, full day, sleepover, and then two sleepovers is it's like the, it's the whole gamut. And then <laughs> that way it just makes it clear and clean. And it also takes, it allows for our staff to, that are in charge of them to take that seriously too. Even if they know them very, very well, they still have this checklist to go through. Yep. And creating packages now is going to be some work, but then it's done like yep. forever and so yep. much easier. And that's what I wish I had always taken the time to do and never did. You can hand it to somebody and say, do this. Yes, exactly. exactly. Um, okay, Gab, recap for us, please. It is the recap time. I, I get better and better every time with my <laughs> yeah, voice, I can do. tell. <laughs> so on, so on cue. Um, I, I wrote down that not intentionally, uh, instead of volunteer, I wrote down voluntold. And I think that... <laughs> that Applicable? I think a lot of the time it's like you volunteered to be voluntold right. things right, right. and I really appreciate you so thank you very much um so for a recap today uh, we have a bunch of little fun little tidbits so uh first things first is checklist checklist for our volunteers and checklist for ourselves and it's good to involve some fun things like what kind of ice cream do you like but also 
the not to's or not to brings uh, so that expectations are set uh, clearly. The, um, volunteers are also great for marketing. They spread the positive wor word, but we want to make sure that that positive word is spread. And so front-loading what is expected and what is expected of staff is important. You can also get them to uh, do blog posts and takeover, uh, Insta takeover. Uh, a formal training is probably is necessary, especially if it's at a sleepaway camp uh, because of making sure kids and staff members are safe. Creating a, um, a, a volunteer package would be helpful, something maybe with, with videos that you can get past staff, uh, current staff members to create, but at least written documents and some form of training. We'd also like to see if they can come to leadership team, uh, leadership training for as much as possible. Uh, having a what does your day look like is also extremely um, important. A contract, application form, and an interview would also be useful for your volunteers. Basically, they are staff that have great intentions. We just want to make sure that they have the support to uh, extend that great intention. So we love them. Uh, we need to support them, and we have to front load so that they can be successful. <laughs> Thanks, Gab. We have not had a podcast for a little while. We've been on the road, the three yes. of us, uh, speaking at conferences together. So it's been really fun. Um, but Gab, you have not lost your recap touch. Oh. <laughs> so, excellent job. Thank you. Thank you. Merci. So as we wrap up our podcast today, here's how you can get involved and here's how you can join us. So you can use uh, the hashtag camp code and tell us the topics that you would like us to discuss. To discuss or maybe recommend some guests that you think we should talk to or what great uh, leadership training tips we have to share. Um, we would love to share those uh, with all of our listeners. So we'd love to hear from you and let us know what you've got. And if you have found this podcast to be useful, you can leave us a rating and a review for us in iTunes. And we'd be very grateful if you did. You can go to camphacker.tv slash cc underscore iTunes. Or of course, you can tweet your love of the show by going to camphacker.tv slash camp code love. And here's how you can contact us if you'd like to get in touch with us individually. So Gab, how do we find you? You can check out where I work at waro.com, O-U-A-R-E-A-U. And you can follow me on Instagram or on Twitter, uh, Gabrielle Rail, and Rail has two L's. Thanks. Ruby. You can check out my company, what, <laughs> at outdoors.com. Also check out womenincamping.com. There's some cool stuff happening there. Mm -hmm. um, and you can be in touch at Ruby at rubyoutdoors.com. Uh, also follow me on Twitter, rubylen 85 and then on Instagram, rubyoutdoors. Perfect. And uh, for me, Camp Hacker's the word. So you can find out about us at camphacker.tv. You can reach me at beth at camphacker.tv. Or you can find us using those hashtags, Camp Hacker. Um, you'll find us there. So Ruby's going to tell us what we're going to talk about for our next podcast. And we're actually going to be having a special guest that we're interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> so our next podcast is one we've gotten a couple of requests for from listeners, um, and that is training for leaders of CIT or leaders in training or counselors in training, any of those kind of team leader programs. Uh, we're going to talk about how do you train the folks who lead those programs on our next podcast. And who are we interviewing? Are we going to tell them or it's a secret? I think it should be a secret. <laughs> Tune okay. in and find out. <laughs> we will so leave it exciting. in secret. <laughs> this person is very, very experienced in training. <laughs>
Okay. And our final segment on each podcast is, of course, a best practice for leadership training. And again, we would love to hear some of your memorable moments or most effective tips so that we can share them with each other. Just use that hashtag camp code. And this week, Ruby has a best practice for us. I do. So I want to recommend that for, again, volunteers, the biggest thing that they give us is their time. And so is there a way that when your volunteer returns each year, that you can recognize the amount of time that they have given? Is there a wearable specifically that can demonstrate that they've spent, you know, 30 hours, 80 hours, 120 hours, 1,000 hours, whatever those benchmarks might be for you, uh, so that as that volunteer arrives, those returners may be really pumped to see that person because they already know them, but that new staff member can look at that person and get a quick, just really instant um information about their history at camp and, and how long they've been there and, and some of that. And it gives them something to start a conversation about too. So whether it's beads or like patches or bracelets, or there's so many options that are out there, but think about something that might do a good job visually representing the time that's been committed to camp so far. Love it. Love it. Um, so that wraps things up for another episode. Please send your training tips our way, hashtag camp code. And today I'd like to do something a little different and dedicate this podcast to a very special man. His name is Kari Feldman. And uh, he was a volunteer with our camp for well over 20 years. He had his 20 year paddle in the dining hall. And very sadly, he passed away on Monday at the age of 50 with a brain aneurysm. And there are so many things at camp that have Kari's stamp on them. He was an engineer, and so he built more things than I can count. So to all of our volunteers and to Kari especially, we say thank you. And thanks for the listening, friends. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, Summer Camp Leadership Training and Marketing Consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.